If you have a Bible, meet me in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to close out our series in the book of Philippians. And so if you've missed any of that, they are archived on our podcast. They're on our website and they are on YouTube if you prefer to watch. But you can catch up on all of those. And then next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Ordered Love on 1 Corinthians 13. We're just going to walk slowly through the love chapter in the Bible. And so I'm really excited about that. And again, fellas, February, Valentine's Day. It's on a Sunday this year. Make your plans. Public service announcement. You're welcome. All right. Philippians chapter 4, as we close this out, um, Paul is going to do something interesting because we have been centered around looking at, digging into Philippians, and what is rising to the top is what is the worldview of somebody who is a follower of Jesus? Why does our attitude, why does our hope, why does our faith, why do the decisions we make Look different from the world around us. Why are we here in this moment and not down at Julian B. Lane tossing the pigskin around? All right. Because we see that tender shoot springing up out of the ground. This moment all around our country, all around our world, when billions of people gather under the name of Jesus Christ. That that's the visible representation of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. As imperfect as we are. It is the beautiful picture of God's people coming together here at Redeemer. But also all across the world. Recognizing, confessing that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's that visible representation of the kingdom of God. We need this moment. So that when you step out of this place and into the mission of God and bringing his kingdom on earth, right? That's what he told us to pray. And as we're forgiving others their sins against us and receiving the forgiveness of God and the Holy Spirit is moving and working and breaking forth. We have a different worldview. And so it began back in Philippians 1.21 where it says, for me to live is Christ. If if I have more time on earth, it's because Christ has something he needs and wants to do through my life. But if I die, the rest of that verse says, I win, I gain, (laughs) I gain what? Christ. So for, for those of us that call ourselves Christians, that follow the ways and practices of Jesus, is that we don't care What the circumstances around us look like. Now, I get it. We're not there yet. But that's a declaration that we make in faith because God is who he says he is. And so our worldview is completely different. It's altogether different from the one that you find our own culture offering us. And so for us to live as Christ, for us to die as Christ, and that is the focus of our Life And with that worldview, Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 begins to happen within us because as we take our vision up and say, I'm looking to Christ and my complete worldview changes, he then moves in 
And he does this, Philippians 3, verse 8. I count everything as loss. For what? The surpassing value. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Everything is different. Our reality is changed. And so we move on then to verse 20 of chapter 3. And he says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. We have a completely different worldview because we have this thing that is so valuable to know Christ. And when we know Christ, we begin to recognize that we are actually different people altogether. Our citizenship lies in heaven as we await our Savior to come. And that brought us to last week what the mark of the redeemed is. It's joy. Somebody who has met Christ is marked by joy. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Joy is the mark of somebody with that worldview. And that's where we begin today with that statement. So I want you to write it down. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Is that joy is the mark of the redeemed. If you want to know if you are walking with the Lord, don't look at the circumstances around you, but look within you and say, do I find joy in the Lord? Do I find joy in the Lord no matter what's happening around me because I'm a citizen of a different kingdom and I'm awaiting my Savior? Jesus Christ the Lord is what it says. And so this is the place that we are because all of those things lead us to this place of freedom, lead us to this place of joy, lead us to this place of peace. The Bible calls it shalom, wholeness. A fullness that only comes and is found in Jesus. And so we come then to our text today, which begins in Philippians 4, verse 10. And here's what happens. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. So Paul is wrapping his letter up to this church that he loves. And he's rejoicing greatly, but for a very specific reason. So he said all of these things, and then he comes to the end and he ends this incredible letter talking about the state that he finds himself in. He's going to use himself as an example of being content with what he has. So if you're connecting dots, he's going to end this book talking about money. And everybody is deflated. <laughs> there is perhaps no greater idol in the hearts of men and women in this country than our money. Right? Can we be honest with each other? Because where the money is, the what? The power is. Where the money is, the fame is. Where the money is, is where the heart is. Jesus would say it this way. If you want to know where somebody's heart is, you follow their what? Treasure. He said, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So if joy is the mark of somebody redeemed by God, it will affect our finances. But very specifically, I want you to look at what Paul has to say comes out of the heart of somebody who is marked by joy. 
Look what he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now what? At length, not just a little bit, but a lot at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So he's rejoicing because, yes, all of these things are true, but they have manifested themselves in the Philippian church's life in how they loved on and supported Paul. And he's thanking them for that. He's showing gratefulness for that. Because look at verse 11. He gives us an important insight. He says, now, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. We're back to worldview again, aren't we? I've learned that whatever situation I'm in, if I live Christ, if I die Christ, we're back in that worldview. Whatever situation I am, I am to be Content, verse 12, I know how to be brought low. In other words, to not have anything. He says, I know how to abound. In other words, to have everything. He says, I know both those places. But in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Why is it a secret? Do you ever think about that? We blow past the stuff. He says, I've learned the secret. Why is it a secret? Because the devil doesn't want you to know where freedom is. Have you ever thought about that? Paul's saying things, he says things in other books like the mystery of the gospel. The devil doesn't want you to know that you can be set free in Christ. And here in regards to their money, he's saying, I've learned the secret (laughs) to being content or facing plenty. And hunger, abundance, and need. And then comes that famous verse that we all know. In verse 13. But it's seated here in this place of contentment. Even if things are really bad or really good. It's in that place. That with a totally different worldview. Philippians 4.13 finds us. And it says this. I can do how many things? Come on. I can do all things. Through him who strengthens me. But look at this in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. That word share simply means to partner, to engage in Paul's struggle. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whether I have very little or whether I have plenty is irrelevant to what I can do if Christ is in my life. However, the mark of joy, the mark of the redeemed is that the Philippian people saw Paul in need and they met that need. It was kind of you to share my trouble the second thing besides joy is the mark of the redeemed. I want you to write down. And by the way, blanks are back today. So if you have a phone, you can go to uh, the Version Bible app, go under events and find Redeemer City Church. And you can follow along or you can just write them down. But these are important because as we kind of bring this down and we say, what does joy in our life look like? It looks like this. The second thing there is that 
worldview, if that worldview is so important, it then leads to generosity. Worldview leads to generosity. And I'm not just talking about what you bring in your offerings to Redeemer City Church. I'm talking about a way of life. Supporting the body of Christ and the mission here on this corner is important and it is part of that, but it is not all of that. Worldview leads us to be generous people. I've seen that in you all so many times. Over and over and over again. Because worldview leads to generosity. Because that's what verse 13 is. is I can do all things, everything laid in front of me. I can do it because of him who strengthens me. So if I have nothing... I have a body around me that will support me because of him who strengthens. What does Peter say? He says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of this spiritual house that he's building. So that Jesus is the cornerstone and we all build our life around him. And he is the strength of the spiritual house that God's building right here, right there. (laughs) If you're watching online, you're part of it. But God's building something. And how many of you know houses take way too long to build? <laughs> you, ever, you ever go through a building experience? It takes forever. You see those walls go up and you're like, oh, this is moving fast. Then they get the roof on. It's moving fast. But then they move where? From the outside to the what? To the inside. You can make the outside look great. But what does the Bible say God's most concerned about? Your heart, your inside. And so just like building a house, the walls go up fast. Salvation is exciting. Vision up is so much easier to preach about. (laughs) But then comes vision in, right? God moves in and begins to transform us. And that's painful. It's slow. It's messy. But it's so important because what we need to learn as the people of God is how to be brought low and how to abound, how to be in need and how to have plenty. We need to learn the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment is letting go. What we tend to do in this life, is grab and hold. Why? Because we like control. I'm talking to myself. (laughs) We like control. But the upside down nature of the gospel is that if you will let go of your life, you will what, Jesus says? Talk to me. You'll find it, right? Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If you have everything, Solomon, (laughs) but he loses his soul, right? What does it matter if you are a billionaire in this life, but you lose your soul for eternity? Means nothing. Means nothing. That's why we say vision out, like doing things in our city, serving our city, 
only comes after vision up, vision in. It only comes after we love God because he first loved us. It only comes after him moving in and behold, all things are new. Old things are passed away. It's only after that that we can look at our city and serve it with mature love. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Only in that place where we learn the secret of being content. And it's a secret because we just rather not learn that. (laughs) Very important. And so joy is the mark that we look around and say, okay, joy is the mark of the redeemed. But that worldview leads us to a generosity place. And then, in fact, it comes back to the next thing I want you to write down is this. Generosity is our joy. So there is this cycling back and forth that the scripture does with us when it comes to our joy in our worldview. Look at verse 17, because he goes on here and he says this. Not that I seek the gift. But listen to this. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul's saying, I've learned how to live with nothing. So I'm not even seeking the gift that you just gave me. But I'm really grateful for it. But what is even more important than the fact that you gave the gift is the fact that your heart was in it because I'm seeking the fruit, the production that happens in your heart when you let go of those things that have a hold on you. For many of us, it is money. For many of us, we need to, we need to go give some money away today. For others of us, it's some other addiction. It's some other thing that has a grip on our life that we need to let go because it's the giving away of your life that actually brings joy. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Generosity is our joy. We know what the Bible says, right? It's better to what? To give than to receive, right? We tell our kids that at Christmas. Now we're going to get you a ton of stuff. But just remember, it's better if we give stuff away. And they're like, yeah, right. Bring it on, man, right? And what's that mark of maturity in a child? When they begin to outgrow that and they begin to see the value. That's why we teach that to our kids. Of giving away. And so generosity is our joy. But there's a reason that it's our joy too. Because look at the next verse. Look at verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Remember, they gave at length to him. They weren't worried about whether he was going to buy a sweet chariot or not. Right? They weren't worried about that. They wanted to bless Paul. So they go at length to support his ministry and his life. By the way, he was in prison. (laughs) That didn't even matter to them. Like, well, he's in prison. He can't use it. No, no, no. They went to great length to love him. And so in that place, he says, I've received full payment. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering. Now listen to this. Don't miss the next part. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to who? To God. To God. Their love for Paul 
was a fragrant sacrifice to God. So the next thing I want you to write down is that generosity pleases God. Generosity pleases God. It's a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What is, what's that language remind us of? The very first sacrifice we read about in the Bible with Cain and Abel, right? Where Cain brought a good sacrifice. He brought nice things. He brought a lot of things probably. But they were not acceptable to God because what was the problem? His heart. He did not bring his first and best to the Lord. Abel did. Abel brought his first and best to the Lord. And the Bible says that God rejects Cain's offering and accepts Abel's. And so we see this all through the Bible that out of the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks. It's, it's that generosity that rises from the joy of being in Christ and having the surpassing worth of knowing him as Lord that leads us to this place of freedom. That leads us to this place where we can release and give away. Generosity pleases God. Doesn't stop there though. Look at verse 19. The next thing I want you to write down is that generosity is blessed by God. Look at what it says. And my God will supply. Another famous verse that we rip out of context. Right? Where, where is this promise that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus fall, it, fall in after they've given away great length of their finances. It's in that place that, God, that Paul says God's going to supply every need that you have according to his riches and glory. It's out of, it's out of that place. Paul needs help. I'm in. I'm in. How much does he need? It, it, it was birthed out of joy, right? Not, well, let, 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 me, let me see a statement. <laughs> How are you going to spend this money? No, no. Paul's in need. And they jump to that at great length. And Paul brings them this promise that God will supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory. Because that generosity, that, that heart of joy is blessed by God. Doesn't mean he's going to make you a millionaire. Doesn't mean he's going to give you everything you want here on earth. What did we read in Lamentations? The Lord is my portion. It, it might just be enough to know that you blessed somebody. It change your life. It'll change your life. And Paul caps that statement off by saying in verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. That's the goal, isn't it? That we would, that we would say all of those things that we did for all of these five weeks of Philippians, that this worldview would lead us to being marked by joy and to be generous people who are totally at rest in the Lord, being a citizen of a totally different place, and we would come to this place that my life could be given away, could be given away to be blessed by God for his glory. What an awesome thing. Then I want to just spend a minute looking at how he closes this letter. 
I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to take communion again today as we think about this. So band, you can come up. Go ahead. But Paul ends this letter in a really important place. And I want you to just process that and think about that with me before we take the elements. And it's the last thing I want you to write down is this statement. Generosity is the heart of God. Generosity is the heart of God, right? Who was it when we were in our greatest need? That looked down from heaven and did not leave us to fend for ourselves. But in fact, we studied in Philippians a few weeks ago that he did not see being God as something to be grasped for himself. But we're told to let this mind be in us as it was in Christ Jesus, who in the fo- took on the form of a servant, a human, came to this earth, lived the life we couldn't live And died on the cross so that you and I might find life. That we might find this kind of freedom. If I live, Christ. If I die, Christ. I'm a citizen of a totally different place. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Generosity is the heart of God. Look at verse 23. So he's literally closing the letter with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What do we want you to walk out of this place today with? The grace of God in your spirit. We're going to end with communion so that you walk out of here thinking about the grace of God through Christ in your spirit. So that when you go back into the mission field and you're praying, God, bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Use me. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. Use me, the weak thing of the world, to shame the strong. That this would be where you are. That this would be the thing that is constantly on your mind. To know the surpassing value. The surpassing worth of Christ.